It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jota, Dundalk and Cavan. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit BlackstoneMotors.ie. You're very welcome to Late Lunch this Friday afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us again on the show. We've a packed claw over the next couple of hours and we will be returning to Kiev uh, to talk to Brendan Murphy to see how he is and his family and touching base with Alan Moore who's in Moscow from the Russian perspective. We've been tic-tacking with them for the last couple of days and we're going back to them again today on the show. I've pantomime tickets to give away. I have a lovely Friday prize for you as usual. Can you identify the TV show theme? Uh, that's coming up a little bit later on in the show. We have wine with Rick, books with Margaret, David Sheehan looks ahead to the weekend in sport. We're jammers. All we need is you. 0419832000 if you want to call in during the uh, couple of hours or if you want to get in touch with us by text or WhatsApp. It's 086-1800-658. Now we begin today with our Women With Opinions and they're back with us again on the show since the beginning of the year and we have... A few things to talk about, but it's in the shadow of war raging in the Ukraine. I'm delighted to welcome back once more Carmel McCarthy and Kira Burke. Ladies, thank you for joining me again. Thanks for having Hello. me, Jerry. Not at all. Oh, you're very welcome to the show. Carmel, if I could start with yourself, I mean, just got to begin with what's broken out uh, in the Ukraine in the last 48 hours or so. Carmel, I'll ask you this question. When I look at Putin and the people around him, there doesn't seem to be a woman in sight, and they're all men uh, of later years. Do you believe, Carmel, that women would be as much interested in waging war as men or are women as much interested in waging war? Lest I be, I suppose, uh, annihilated for this, I honestly believe they wouldn't because you've got you've got the nurturing, the natural nurturing instinct in a woman. And unless she's a sociopath or a psychopath, she wouldn't be interested in waging war. And it seems to me like that... Um, you know, uh, Putin, I think, was married at one stage, uh, but there doesn't seem to be too many women around him now. So I think, obviously, there are these are males who are equally sociopathic and feeding his ego. But certainly, I think it, a woman is probably needed in there to give balance. There's mm. no balance there when mm. you look at the whole thing. And I mean, you know, it's it's you know the. 
uh, the rule of the few, the oligarchy, you know, coming out through and through here. Um, so I no, I think definitely, Jerry, a woman is needed in there and needed in there fast. But yeah. I don't think yeah. she's going to get in there very fast. No, it doesn't look like it. It just struck me that I didn't see a woman a- a- at all. Kira, what about the sanctions announced by Europe, announced by Biden yesterday? Will it make any difference? I I actually don't believe it will. I think he's a very scary individual and he came out last night saying that, you know, if you make these sanctions against Russia, watch out for, you know, what I'll do. Mm. So it's 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 a very scary situation when you're dealing with um a, a psychopath as far as as far as I can see. Um I mean, he has everybody paid off in in Russia. All the, all the people around him are all, you know, so indebted to him because they're you know, they're all, you know, wealthy beyond belief. And uh, then the rest of Russia, I mean, it, it kind of strikes me like, you know, Berliners or people who lived in Germany, afraid of the SS and the Nazis, um, like if they talked against them, mm. you know, they'd be shot or whatever. So I would say that the Russian people themselves, um, they, they wouldn't dare say anything or, or rise up against him. I mean, he's it's, it's such power against everybody. And last night, like, there have been protests in Russian cities, and we're going to be talking, actually, to Alan Moore in Moscow in, in a wee while, and he'll fill us in. But, you know, it's difficult, as you both know, it, the feeds we're getting, you know, and the different angles you're getting. If, you, if you're in Russia, you're getting one story. If you're in the West, you're getting another, for sure. But there's nothing sure. I'm just watching the images here that the tanks are rolling into Kiev, uh, Kiev or Kiev, whatever way you want to pronounce it, as we speak. Isn't it horrendous, Carmel, to think that, you know, innocent men, women and children are on the front line here of massive artillery fire. Oh, I think it, it's absolutely horrendous. And you know what the awful thing is, Jerry? And I spoke to a few people who, whose parents are still, mm. we say who live here, and whose parents are still in Eastern Europe. And they don't want to leave because the parents would have lived through uh, Perestroika and, you know, the, the fall of the, the Iron Curtain, for want of a better term. And they don't want to go back to that. And they say, no, we, we fought for that. We're going to stay and fight to make sure it's not taken off us again. So, you know, people who have gone through the doldrums of, of, of the Iron Curtain and now it's looming as though it's going to be pulled again, mm. you know, and that's what he wants. But, you know, Jerry, just to go back to something you mentioned there about the information, like when war wages you know that the communication is controlled. It, since uh, the, the generals were in, uh, on the, in the fields on World War I, they control the information flow. And sadly, this does not change. So we have to dissect a lot of the information that we get and try and draw our own conclusions from it. Yeah, that's... Because, you know, that, yeah. that, that's, that's the scary bit, you mm. know, is the manipulation of the media. Do you do you think here, like ultimately, like he has threatened other things as well? That is so true. And at the moment, uh, diplomacy has been employed from the other side. But Kira, this thing is a tinderbox. A spark in another in place could just oh, cause a cataclysmic absolutely. war to happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like uh, you know, when when I was reading up about the NATO um, countries and how um, you know the Ukraine want to get into the NATO um, organization, but 
because of, you know, corruption and um, Ukraine government corruption over the years. They, they, like since 2006, they are in a, a deal, uh, like a trade deal with Europe. Mm. But since 2016, you know, they've been wanting to get into NATO, but because of histories and, you know, the corruption and that kind of thing that still goes on within some certain circles in, um, in the Ukraine, that's why they haven't made it to NATO yet. So that's why that everybody is sitting waiting to, to know what, what to do. I mean, mm. like, of course, the Europeans, of course, America, everyone wants to help the innocent people of the Ukraine. But um, there, there is history there. There's a lot of history there with Russia and Ukraine and Georgia. And, and there's been, a, a, there's been a, like a rumbling war going on there for, for yes. a number of years. Yes. But this is the most, like, I, you know, especially with nuclear. I mean, I heard yeah. Lady Roach pleading with Russia not to um, go near and have fire Chernobyl and, and other nuclear sites. Because, I mean, that will have a catastrophic effect on, you know, the world, not yes. just Russia. Yeah, and so, it, it, it is the big fear for, for everybody with, with those type of missiles uh, yeah. knocking about and somebody just uh, takes a quick decision and, my God, uh, what are we into then? But look, yeah, let's... So I don't think it's a simple thing as, no. you know, let's all just go in and, and, and you know... No wage war against Russia because we really don't know what the history of it all is. Do you know what I mean? Like, of what their relationships are. And, and, and I'm sure America are, are... I mean, Biden has been, you know, basically saying what's going to happen in the next couple of days because, you know, whatever is on the ground for them, like the intelligence on the ground, they know what's Yeah, they have, it, they have it. They have it. Yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah he's, he's, he's certainly marked our cards from quite a way out on this one. Let's move on because we're just coming out of a world crisis that affected everybody, including Russia as well, big time, the pandemic and it still rages, people might think it's gone but I just saw the figure the other day that here in Ireland even over 500 people have died so far this year uh, with coronavirus, we're not really hearing the figures anymore on the on the daily news bulletins but anyway um, we, we've moved away from lockdowns and restrictions and on Monday next, uh, the masks are off and away we go, Kira. I'll start with you because you are in the hospitality sector in Sage and Stone, I'm sure you're delighted that uh, we're moving on well, I can tell you I am because it is so difficult to wear wear a mask for eight hours a day, you know, serving customers and you're running around and it's hot and it's sweaty and, you know, it's 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 really hard. Now, I'm not saying that we will be, you know, not wearing masks uh, going forward, you know, even over the next couple of weeks because, like, there is safety. I just think it's up to, I'm not going to say my staff don't have to wear a mask if you feel safe you wear them or if you don't feel safe you you wear them yeah. um and if you if you feel so there's not going to be you know you don't, you don't have to wear a mask anymore so i'm just going to leave it up to the individual mm. because and the individual who comes into my restaurant is welcome to wear a mask or not yes. whatever because because i just think we have to move on jerry i think we have to move on with our lives and um i think we have to like 500 people may have died of covid but probably another 500 have died of the flu out of cancer in the last month as well. Do you know mm. what I mean? So mm. uh, I think we have to, okay, we've to put down the coronavirus as, yes, a very threatening uh, virus, but I think we have to get on with dealing with the um, dealing with it as a, as a, just another one of those things that we have to deal with. Yes. So uh, you're leaving it up to your staff. Your customers can do what they want as well. You're quite open on it. Carmel, uh, what about the mask on? At least now I'll recognise people perhaps that I pass out on the street or I'm in a business where I don't have to wear the mask, Carmel. Oh, God, yeah, because there's more people I've walked by yes, and I haven't yes. a clue who they are. Yes, you're you with know, me. It's, 
dreadful. But listen, we'll all do our own little dynamic risk assessment. When we walk in somewhere, if it's very crowded, we'll put the mask on. If it's nice and airy, we'll leave it off. And I think that's that's personal responsibility. I mean, the way I look at it is, I haven't had a cold since since uh, uh, COVID hit. Yeah. And that's probably down to wearing the mask. Mm. And I'm delighted with that. And I don't want a cold. But, you know, it it it's it will be personal choice now, which mm. is the good thing. So I would say that's what people do. I would say to businesses out there, risk assess it. You have got to do that because... COVID-19 has not gone away. It is still considered a biological hazard, so you as an employer must risk assess and decide, well, do we in the office continue to wear masks or whatever? So it's a, it's a much, it's, it's a much, uh, I suppose, different picture within your work environment. Mm. But uh, you still have to have a duty of care to your staff. So I would say to people, continue with good hygiene protocols within the work environment and cleaning protocols and that. But like, as I say, thank God on a personal level. Yeah. I'd be able to say hello to people. Yeah. I know who they are. I think it's kind of nice to, that we had the mask, but you didn't have to say hello to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, kind of thought, I was like kind of walking around the supermarket going oh yeah nobody saw me nobody you know what I mean? yeah. anyway, yeah. sometimes you can be invisible and it's a good excuse as well it's a bit or, like the COVID thing now that we have to go out I've actually got really used to be, being in and yeah. I'm like if someone asked me out on a Saturday night now I'm going oh god do I really want to go out yes. you know yes. like it's kind of like that as well we've kind of got unsocialised we're yeah. just getting used yeah. to getting back out there mm. again I knew well, the I knew the bark one uh, Carmel would have an angle on that all right there's benefits yeah. to the mask too when you want to hide oh, yeah. <laughs> when you want to hide and as, as, as someone has said you know when you're mousing behind the mask you know don't forget you don't uh, you don't have a mask on your nose so don't don't say that you like <laughs> yeah. I have to Although, say Jerry, I have to say about the masks right I have a number of deaf customers and if you can't lip read and you oh, are yeah. trying to communicate yes, yes. and you're deaf with yeah, yeah. a person who has a mask mm, on it is so difficult, difficult so yeah. I've, I mean obviously you've had to take the mask off if you're yes. deaf so that they can lip read yes but like there's been so many people like that um, that we have forgotten about that mm. you know they can't you can't communicate with them yes without you know without seeing your mouth and all that kind of thing and it, it, it was really difficult especially uh, yeah yeah are you, are you, just before we finish up are you are you a concern for Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth you know she has COVID at the minute and she's had to cancel quite a few engagements of that. And of course, our the, the 70th year celebrations are about to kick off. She looks a little frail, Carmel. Ah, uh, she is. She's a bit shocked looking, God yeah. love her. But, you know, and then she's only doing light duties. Yes. Clear to me. I, if I'm still alive at 95, I won't be doing light duties, no. I can tell you that for nothing. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think i make 95. Fair play to her, even for Sandra. Yeah, yeah, well, that's it. Fair play to her. And, you know, it's, it's God love her getting it. Was it Charles brought it into the house again? I Doesn't think that so. sound great? Brought it into the house. Probably <laughs> 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 Andrew. For, for uh, no, no, Kira. No, it wasn't the other no. fella for sure. He's, uh, I, I think he's in the dog box somewhere oh, <laughs> in right, Windsor. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they should leave a minute, you know, by all accounts. Uh, yeah, we're, we're very past remarkable, aren't we? Oh, we are. You we're know, shocking. We're shocking. Yeah, you're shocking. No, listen, sure, you have to have the Earl opinions. That's why you join me. Listen, I'm going to let you both go there. Thank you for joining me today. Wish you well, Kira, with the opening uh, up on Monday with the no masks at Sage and Stone yeah, and Carmel. Thanks, Jerry, and the best of luck now for, well, hopefully now we'll all be living in a peaceful 
Yes. Yeah. Please, please God. Yeah, yeah. please God. Yeah. The, the wish yeah. and the, our thoughts are with it to finish up the people in Ukraine yeah. who are being Ukraine. blasted out of it today. Yeah. Anyway, Carmel, good luck to you as well from EMS and Associates. Continued success to you. Thank you both for joining me. Thanks, Take care of yourselves. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's Kira Burke and Carmel McCarthy there with opinions on a couple of the major topics of the day, including uh, the Queen. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. Back in a moment with your comedy. Time for your comedy on Friday. Jason Manford, he's a brilliant stand-up comedian. He has five children and here he's telling us about the day he went shoe shopping by himself with the five of them. I remember taking my daughter to get new school shoes. So I took all five... I don't know if you've done this, guy, but you've taken all of them out just by yourself like an idiot. And uh, <laughs> took them all out. We've gone to buy new school shoes and it's... Uh, they're busy day in the department store and uh, that most of them have been fine and then just one daughter is just kicking off just going for it right and, and I've, you've not got the skills that your parents had because you know laws have changed you've got to like find other ways you've got to like talk to them like a children's TV presenter haven't you got, what seems to be the problem you're like, oh, no. and you get any closer you're like when you get home you are dead like you have to do it like so she's being a nightmare and I, can't, I just couldn't wrangle her, I just couldn't work it out and, uh, and, and, and what happens is the other thing with, when you've got many children is that your other children start being good, really good, but not good because they want to be good, they want to be good to highlight how bad the bad one's being. <laughs> and they're like, we're being good aren't we daddy? You're like, yeah but it's not coming from a good place. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, in the end, I had to do that thing that parents do sometimes where, where you go overboard with the punishment. So, like, when they're not eating the dinner, you know, you're like, right then, you'll never eat again! <laughs> you know, you say, you can't back that up, you know. And I did it with my daughter, she was like, I want these shoes on there, she's being spoiled. And I said, right then, you'll have no shoes. <laughs> 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 so I've got shoes for the other kids and I've got so I've got these like four pairs of shoes and none for her. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm very very rare that I stand by a punishment, right? And I, like even when I've sent them upstairs, they're halfway down before they've got there, you know. <laughs> so I'm in this queue and and uh, my daughter's gone from being naughty to turning the waterworks on. And of course, it's a new crowd around her. <laughs> so these people just think she's like Cinderella, like not getting any shoes. No shoes for you. <laughs> And she goes, and then she said the worst thing, and as parents, you'll, you'll feel this, right? It's the worst thing that anyone can say to you, right? What your children can say to you. She said, Daddy, and I went, what? She said, there's all these people looking, like, front and back of the kitchen. went, Daddy, why do you make the rest of the world laugh, but you make me cry? <laughs> three pairs of shoes that day. (laughs) (laughs) The brilliant Jason Manford. I'm sure you can empathise. You've had your children in that mode for sure. There you go. He's simply brilliant. Your comedy on Friday. Now, we are going to Moscow first as we're trying to make contact. I hope he's all right with Brendan Murphy in Kiev. But Alan Moore is with us on the line from Moscow. Hello again, Alan. Afternoon, Jerry, and uh, hello to all your listeners. And delighted to be online with you. Well, look, uh, thank you for being uh, so available to us, Alan. Look, uh, we we are seeing on this side the push into Kiev, where uh, with Russian troops continues, and on a number of fronts into the country as well. Just something I wanted to ask you. We're hearing here, and uh, you know, it's hard to get a, a a proper handle on this. That in Russia last night, in the big cities, in Moscow, there where you are in Saint Petersburg, there were demonstrations against the war. 
Yeah, as I mentioned yesterday and even before, and that's why I thought that they would be very un- unpopular to, to you know, go further than Donbass uh, into Ukraine, that no one was for it. I mean, there was a tiny percentage of the, uh, let's just say, the people who always want war and who make a lot of money from it in every country. But uh, in Russia, no. I mean, there was a great opposition to it from our athletes to our actors, singers, uh, politicians as well, journalists. Um, yesterday morning, and I want to say it on air, but I, because I was actually in the workplace today, I'm not. I'm actually watching my young lads uh, at rugby training. Um, I, I couldn't say it because we couldn't confirm it, that the students basically went out in protest. And it happened in universities across Russia uh, in solidarity. Because what we didn't know, what you know, I'd been in contact with the Ukrainian embassy, as I mentioned yesterday, and um, I'd given information on how many of their students uh, we had, um, their contact information, and that they're all safe, well, and so on and so forth. Now, uh, the next thing that happened was that the Ukrainian embassy uh, ordered students to return home. Um, and, you know, which is very, very strange. And, you know, now the order has been ignored by the students here uh, and it has changed and it's been cancelled. So the students themselves, they were aware of this because it was, you know, the last information I had was at 10 in the morning. that They were just looking looking out for the, the, the best interests of their own citizens. Mm. But what they were doing was collecting the information to get them back home to, you know, it could be to serve as cannon fodder, it could be to punish Russia by saying we're taking back our best and our brightest. God knows what it was. And, um, you know, as I said, students went out in protests and there was protests all across Russia. Some people did get a bit rambunctious and, you know, like pushed against police and were arrested. But overall, tens of thousands of people um, protested, and not including the students earlier on the day, but tens of thousands, uh, tens of thousands of people protested across Russia, uh, saying this is not what we want, and this is not certainly what what we need. Well, that is so interesting, and to hear that from you on the ground is, is significant. But you know, when you look at the, the country itself and the way it's governed, and Putin at the top, and the people around him, do they care if, pe- if people protest? Will it make any difference, Alan? It will, because when when there were you know protests that really meant something and when pensioners especially because they're the ones who get out and vote when they start reacting to it uh, they do start to change their minds but you know as I said a couple of days ago to like when, when we saw ourselves um, and you know in, in, in Dublin and Washington and London back in March 2003 and February 2003 when millions and millions were out in the streets protesting against the, the, the war in Iraq it didn't make a difference because they were going in. And, and Jerry, this is a, a, a sort of an odd sort of like twist of fate or history. Uh, back in September 2001, and of course I was living in Dundalk at the time, and I left like co- working in Dundalk and coaching Avon in a hurling club and left everyone behind. I went out to Saudi Arabia and I arrived on a Thursday. And the following Tuesday was September 11th. And, you know, everything then just like the hit the fan, shall we say. Yeah. And, you know, then they went to Afghanistan and a year and a half later, 19 years ago this week, basically, they were in the UN talking about weapons of mass destruction and, you know, 45 minutes and like we'd be all blown to pieces and so on and so forth. There was that kind of feeling as well here that like this can't go ahead. It can't happen again. Um, and, you know, the, the Russians, though, uh, 
people are fighting back against it. And I think now that there was an I can't say it was an olive branch reached out again by Vladimir Zelensky, who again the Ukrainian president, who I admire massively. I think he's a brilliant person. I think he's a great leader. And again, he said, "Let's uh, you know try to stop this." And the Russians have said, "Okay, let's go meet in Minsk and you know make concessions and sort of get this done." Uh, I hope they do because it, it, you know the longer this goes on, and now we see that some elements not led by the, the, the Ukrainian president's administration, but some elements in Ukraine are uh, arming citizens in the streets and handing them guns and telling them to make Molotov cocktails um, to, to throw at the Russians. This is what, as said to me by, by um, uh, a very, very for, a famous football coach, this is the, um, the let's just say, the, the equivalent of when a football club are in trouble and they start rattling the collection buckets, that's when you know that it's it's end game, and usually end games do not end well for anybody. But what you're saying to me, come back to that. You mentioned Minsk there, and Minsk and talks, and Zelensky and Putin and the Russians. Is that being mooted actually at the moment? Yeah, it's been proposed. It's been proposed. Zelensky. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't be calling him by his second name. Or yeah, by Putin by his second name. I mean that's. You know, we're not in the Christian Brothers anymore. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, so I like I would, um, would say the, the Ukrainian president uh, has said they're ready to talk uh, to say that we're neutral. We're not going to NATO. And I, I, I mean, these are just some of the things that, that were made in the statement. And uh, immediately Russia accepted and said, OK, let's go to Minsk and we'll talk. Um, OK, and we'll, we'll get this done. So. There, there is hope, Jerry, and I, I honestly got hope it is because this is something that should not have started in the first place. But there was too much, you know, build up to it. We saw the build up that was going on uh, for for months, and unfortunately, nobody cares about the the young lads who are serving in the front lines. And mm. you know, from either side, many side, no one cares. And this is what you know. We hopefully they will get this deal done. Well, that is, that is uh, news to us to hear to hear that as well. But I, I thought I was just thinking that myself. There are casualties on both sides, and there'll be body bags going back to Moscow and Saint Petersburg and all over Russia as well to families there of young lads who've been killed unnecessarily. And the same on the other side. There are no That's winners it. in war, Alan. There are no winners That's ever, it. ever, ever. Jerry, you know. we we grew up with it, and I was just talking to somebody today. Uh, I like. Like my, my, my day started at uh, five o'clock this morning, Moscow time. Um, and I, from all day yesterday, after I spoke with you yesterday, and all day yesterday, all night, all day, and I had to cover the Champions League as well last night. But all day I was, you know, uh, and today from early morning, speaking with parents of students. And I look after five and a half thousand international students here um, in, our, in our university and across a whole swathes of Russia and up into Tajikistan as well. And Uzbekistan. So I'm getting calls from parents from Morocco to Mongolia, uh, from Nepal, and I mean from uh, Equatorial Guinea. And I'm getting the calls and then having the students come in. And we've just got a, a bunch of exchange students in from, from France and Germany and Hungary. And they're in. And one of the lads who's half Russian, born in Russia, but grew up in Germany, and he came in. Uh, traumatized, thinking, I don't know what to do and I don't know how to deal with this. Mm. So I spent 45 minutes of my day sitting down, you know, made him a cup of coffee and talked to him. Now, 
as I could say, Jerry, I have an awful lot more to be getting on with, but at the same time, this is what we have to do in a duty of care. And I, you know, and, and it's terrible to see that. Yeah. Because, and, and then, you know, as you said, and, and more people need to be saying this, that like, you know, the body bag's going back. There's someone else's children. Yes. And we've seen as well in, in the Donbass region, which a lot of this, well, Putin is saying that this is what it's about. Not really, because they didn't care themselves, because the, the civil war in Donbass has been going on for eight years. And both sides are as bad as each other. There's no, you know, there's no good or bad in this. They, they both have, you know, put other people's lives on the front line, as you saw in the Balkans and every sort of conflict. You know, the people send off their kids to, like, they, they don't send their kids to war. And, mm. you know, also today, I mean, there's been calls from different, like uh, one university grouping in Europe that uh, Russia should be completely cut off. Any joint, um, you know, study projects or any links or partnerships should be suspended or completely ruled out. And at a time, and we see where, you know, Manchester United, they've, they've gotten rid of Aeroflot yep. as a sponsor. The Champions League um, final is gone from St. Petersburg. Gone. Formula One Grand Prix is gone. It's finished now, as well. And this is the danger, Alan, that Russia now is going to find itself increasingly isolated and, you know, withdrawing into itself and it'll become a bigger them and us. And that's what the real worry is about for sure. But look at your, yeah. I know you're working away there on the ground, a difficult situation, trying to reassure, making your views known. And you're being so honest with us as well in, in the terms of coming out and speaking honestly uh, about your feelings uh, on the situation. Look, I have to leave it there today. We will be back to you next week, Hi, I'm sir. sure, because we're going to Kiev now uh, to have a chat with Brendan um, Murphy, uh, another man, another loud man uh, over there at the moment. But uh, look, Alan, God bless you. Take care over the weekend. Take it. Thanks, Thanks, sir. Thanks for talking care. to me. Bye-bye. 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 That's Alan Moore there in Moscow. Interesting to hear the latest from him and what it's like. Short break and we are heading to Kiev. Brendan Murphy's in Kiev. He's standing by. Hello again, Brendan. Hello, hello. Brennan, is it Kiev or Kiev? Kiev. Kiev. Okay. Right, so the pronunciation is important because one is a Russian connotation and the other is Ukrainian, I know. Anyway, look, we were trying to get you earlier and we were really worried. Are you safe? No. So the situation at the minute is I was in a hot war zone and I've gone to a less hot war zone. Um, I, I am moving away from... The hot war zone, but uh, you drive through other high target areas. So you're, and there's war, there's uh, warplanes overhead, um, and they they are killing civilians. And where I was uh, is I, I was in a place in Irpine, which in when you translate it, Irpine is Irish, and they killed a 14 year old boy in cold blood, and. Uh, and that's what their intention is. They're killing anyone and everyone. The pictures we are seeing is at the moment is that, you know, uh, the troops are in Kiev uh, coming in from one, one angle. How far can you tell us as that advance happened? How far are they into the city? Well, we've been busy f- uh, try- finding a way out of this, but my last understanding is that the military situation is that Russia is not um, being successful in many areas. 
There is a number of misinformation saying that the Russians are here and there and everywhere. But uh, that that has been established not to be the case in 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 what I've 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 the messages I've got, but also that the Ukrainian military have have uh, uh, been successful in a lot of uh, fierce fierce battles, and there are many of those fierce battles ongoing, but uh, the outcome is yet to be decided. Is there much shelling happening? Sorry, is there much shelling happening? In the hot areas, there are missiles, there are bombs, there is, there's a, sorry, there's a wash, there's a war plane overhead. I need to go. I need to go. Okay. Okay, sorry. Brandon. Bye bye. Bye bye. My God. That's horrendous, isn't it? He had to go as the plane came in. God bless him. I hope he's all right. But you hear what's happening there on the ground. I didn't get a chance to ask him what we had heard from the Moscow side about these proposed talk talks in Minsk. That's what you're hearing on that side of things. From what's happening on the ground there, well, my God almighty, it, it's a totally different story, isn't it? God bless him and his family and everybody there in the midst of a war zone at the moment. You don't know when a missile is just going to come in and hit where you are and it's all over. It's shocking. It's shocking. It really is shocking to see. And I've been talking to to younger people today who can't understand this at all. You know, we've had a relatively peaceful time in Europe since the end, barred the Balkans, what happened in the Balkans um, since the end of World War Two, And of course, even my generation, for me, I, I never experienced anything like it. Like, yes, we had the troubles here at home that were shocking, but... Not war on a scale like this. And when we talk about wars, they were over there in the Middle East or places like that. Afghanistan. It's really hard to, to say anything, isn't it? I'm lost for words. Never experienced anything like that before. Have somebody on and they had to go. But possibly their lives ended. Oh, it's horrendous. I pray for sense. Why has this happened? Why, why, oh why? What's it all for? What's it all about? Where will it end? Will he be happy with what he does in Ukraine? Or is there more to come? Are we facing into him doing something on a NATO nation and then it's all hell breaks loose? These are very, very uncertain times. They really are. Benny King and Stand By Me and your late lunch this Friday afternoon and I'm sure that song would reflect the sentiments of the people of the Ukraine who probably feel they're standing alone at this point in time. I say it again, we think of them in the circumstances they find themselves in. Now, uh, we've had a comment, they were talking top of the show to Carmel and Kira, and I was just mentioning the absence of women in uh, governments and decision making etc and uh, Frank was on to say you know Jerry women start most roused and they're extremely jealous people says Frank <laughs> well you know you're entitled to your opinion Frank but I'm sure a lot of people would uh, not agree with you but thanks for getting in touch with us and uh, another person saying there hospital staff yes I know will continue to wear the masks and we'll have to wear them all the time they will indeed 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text you're going to need that number now because our competition on Friday you have to identify this TV theme 
Yes, do you remember it? What's the name of the TV show famous that that song is the theme from? I have a lovely prize to give away today. And I'm throwing in uh, Owen McGee's book. We talked to him yesterday, the money advisor, who is absolutely brilliant. I have that as well to chip in as the prize. Answers to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text as soon as you can and we'll pick a winner before the end of the show. It's time for Boot Club on Late Lunch, a little later than normal for obvious reasons. Seasons. Margaret Madden, good afternoon. Hi, Terry. How are you doing? Thank you very much. I'm doing well. And thank you for joining us on the show. Let's get straight to it. Your book of the month, please. I'm actually going to throw you in a loop here because I'm changing it. <gasps> no! <laughs> oh, don't worry. We'll just shift things around. Okay. So, normally, I do a classic last. Yes. But this is my book of the month. I'd be doing it a, a misservice by putting it at the end. So it's coming up the top. And it is Marion Key's Rachel's Holiday. Okay, so this is now. You've, you've, don't worry, I'm familiar with it. You've just thrown me a curveball that I'm able to deal with. Well, tell us about this book. Why are you going with it? Okay, well, her, the follow-up to it was just released. Is I think it was last week. I have mine on order. All right, I haven't collected it yet. I thought I'd revisit it, and mm. I, do you know what? It was like going back and meeting a friend that you haven't seen for years <laughs> and catching up, and like there was no years in between. It's just probably. I won't say my favourite book ever because that's Jane Austen, but it's it's just right up there. It is absolutely amazing. Um, okay, so you're wait. going, well, well, let me say, you're going back to March 1998 when this book was released. You realise that? Um, well, please don't be talking about the years. Why like, <laughs> birthday coming off? Stop it. <laughs> but look, I, I'm actually, you know, when, when, you, when you told me you were going to feature this book anyway, mm. it, it brought me back because it is about a Rachel Walsh and, you know, her fondness for recreational drugs and, you know, the family are paying to send her to rehab in the cloisters, which she thinks is going to be a party, but far from it. Oh, yeah, it's just gas. You know, she's over in New York and she's been living over there a few years and um, she does have a problem with recreational drugs, but she doesn't think it's a problem. She just thinks that it's, you know, I'm only having a bit of crack and she she doesn't realise herself how bad it is, but everybody around her does. So her flatmate, after taking far too many sleeping pills one night, her flatmate thinks that she had tried to kill herself, so therefore phones an ambulance and it, it unleashes this whole what the reality of, of what the addiction that Rachel had. So she's flown home by um, the Walsh, her daddy Walsh and mommy Walsh and, and put into, as you said, this what she thinks is going to be this exclusive mm. retreat. Mm. And and it's not. It's, it, you know, it's a facility designed for addicts and she's plonked in there. And in typical Marian form, she just mixes the humour and, and funniness that she writes with and, and just so wonderfully done but with very very serious issues and yes. she manages you know you're reading along with it going well I, I don't use recreational drugs Jerry but I do recognise myself in a lot of yes. characters Yes, she yes. gets right into the heart and soul of, of women's lives and and there's no messing about her she just gets straight in there and absolutely hilarious as well oh yeah you'll be touched by her early childhood when you're reading that aspect of it and so proud of this uh, woman uh, when it comes to recovery as well this is a a cracking book and even today you're right people go back to it and say my god isn't this just timeless though there you are Margaret Madden prompted by Marion Key's new one that is out now goes back 
to Rachel's Holiday for her book of the month. It's still available. You can pick it up and I'm sure you can borrow it as well too. There you go. What a turn up for the book. So does that mean um, that Sinead O'Connor is still on the claw today? Yes, Rememberings? She is, yeah. Um, Sinead O'Connor Rememberings came out, I think, just before Christmas. Yes. I actually only just got around to listening to it on Borrow Box during the week. And she read it herself, which you know I love, the narrator, the author. And Sinead O'Connor, everybody just, I think they all, most people I speak to anyway, they just go, oh God, when she ripped up the picture of the Pope on the TV, that was the end of her. And they're right, it was. Um, but she, she goes right back to her childhood, an absolutely awful childhood. I never realised she had mm. gone through. Mm. Um, really badly um, abused by her mother. and A very difficult situation involving going back and forth to, between her parents. Um, absolutely, like just really shed some light on her mental illness and, and why why she did what she did with the picture of the Pope, um, and how she's an activist. She is politically motivated to try and inform people what's really going on in the world, and that's what she was trying to do with the ripping of the picture yeah. to try and draw attention to the atrocities in the church at the time. Mm. You know, so. That moment ruined her career. Mm. However, what a talented, talented girl. Nobody can take that away from her. Mm. And, um, the late and the late gay born loved her, didn't he? He, he did. He, did. he knew that she was, was like a, a dad to soul. Her. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was. And, the, and, that, and, you know, as you go through, and she has four children with four different men, um, and she says, what, what does it matter if I have, they have four different dads? I'm their mother and I love them. And, mm. and nobody ever says that to men. Why do they have four different baby mamas, you know. Yes. Uh, but then the awful thing is that since she's written it, she's lost her she son has. She to has. suicide. I thought um, that all right, yeah. yeah and so that. listening to her talking about her love for him at the end as she was narrating, knowing at the time he was still alive. Yes. It's shocking. Oh, for me. yes. Yeah, My yeah. God, you can only imagine how that even destroyed her more. But look, the, the, there's uh, there's likeness in it as well. She talked about her misadventures, if you'd like to call them, in the world of oh, sex yeah. and drugs and rock and roll and all that thrown into the mix as well. But I know you love this book. By God, it's a, a cracking month of recommendations. Rememberings by Sinead O'Connor, uh, the landmark memoir of a global musical music icon. It's out at the moment. It came out as... Uh, late last year as you said and it's another of Margaret's recommendations now I want to hop on to another one here because it is timely and it is on the money and people will probably say oh we're not going to read this one The Herd by Emily Edwards and uh, vaccinations yes vaccinations to vaccinate or to not vaccinate um, this is not about the COVID vaccination. This is uh, going back to the MMR and yes. the, the, the debate that's been there for many, many years, all based on um, one article that was written in a medical journal. Oh, my God, donkeys years ago. And anyway, we won't go into it. So there's two characters in this, two main characters, Elizabeth and Bri, and they're both mothers of young girls. I think they're about six, five or six. And the debate, well, Elizabeth's daughter, she's a real kind of Stepford wife mom. You know, she's so organised. She has all the meals prepped a week in advance. She'd be at the school gates every day, really on the money and wouldn't leave the house without full face makeup. And then you have Bri, who's real hippie, who's real laid back, a bit more scatterbrained. And she has chosen, Bri has chosen not to vaccinate her daughter um, because her brother... Um, has extremely bad autism and she believes it's because he had it from the MMR years ago. Whereas Elizabeth's daughter isn't vaccinated because she can't be. Elizabeth says she can't be because she has some medical condition. 
and then it, it, it's Elizabeth's daughter's birthday and she sends out an email to all the mums in the school saying, um, you, if your daughter isn't vaccinated, please don't come to the party because mm. if my daughter gets measles, she could die. And Bri neglects to tell her that her daughter is not vaccinated. Right. And then a case of measles does arrive at the party and um, yes. it's, it's, it's a really, really awful effects. And then the, the two friends, they, I mean, they grew up together, these mums. Um, they they had this massive falling out and ends up in a court case. So it's a very topical book. It's yes. very, which side would you take? Mm. Um, a little mm. bit long-winded, I'd say, um, but still makes you think. You know? Yeah, and, and Margaret, can I ask you this? I saw a number of people saying this was a difficult book to get into, that you might put it down after the early reading. But then, actually, uh, mm-hmm. they were saying that, you, you know, it it, it it pulls you in and away it goes. And the, the recommendation is stick with it. Yeah, absolutely. Because the beginning of the book is more really about yes. the friendship between the yes, two yes. moms. So you, yeah. need, you needed a bit of background. I do think it was slightly dragged out, but you can kind of skip through parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's being made into a TV show, so there you it go. might be worth getting in there early. Yeah, real topical, even though it is MMR, uh, the, uh, the, the the shot uh, that, that still is in many people's books, you know, something that they debate. But anyway, uh, it, the book is called The Herd by Emily Edwards. It's full of yummy mummies and posy daddies. They're all... <laughs> All there as well, I can tell you. Uh, but a book uh, that Margaret recommends again, her third. One more to go, and this is William Ryan or WC Ryan, as he's known as uh, the Winter Guest. And we're talking here, Margaret, Ireland post World War One, but as the Civil War rages. Yeah, it's nineteen twenty-one, and we're in Kilgolgan House, um, and it's the Prenderville family, so they would be um, the Protestant ascendancy, and. There's an IRA ambush that that goes terribly well. I mean, not that it depends on what you mean by terribly wrong, but Maud Prenderville is killed, and but the IRA are taking no responsibility for her death. Just the other officers that were in the car with her. Um, so Captain Tom Harkin comes along, and he's an undercover IRA intelligence officer um, who had fought in the Great War with Maud's brother. So he comes to stay under the pretense that he's like an insurance broker. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, I can't remember. Um, but basically, nobody knows that he is undercover intelligence for the yeah. IRA. And he's trying to find out what really, really happened, who was responsible for Maud's death. And it's just a wonderful story. So it's kind of a gothic atmosphere in the old house, kind of ghostly vibes. Um, the the captain, Tom, he he was engaged to Maud Prendival, but now he's kind of hooking up with her sister. Yes. So it, it's, there's a little bit of everything in it, but the atmosphere has walked up me. Um, I think William Ryan is just fantastic at writing historical fiction. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a, I mean the Civil War the stories that go along with that are always fascinating anyway mm, you know yeah uh, it's been very well received I too uh, and uh, you absolutely love it it's called mm. The Winter Guest by W.C. Ryan William Ryan historical fiction as Margaret says at or at its very best listen I'm running you off a little bit early today but you know the story with the way we're moving and shaking I with know. things that are happening in the world but look I thank yeah. you for bringing us your recommendation and that's a first change your mind at the last minute. I'll be ringing you later to have a word about that. (laughs) Margaret Madden, thank you for joining me on the show. You're welcome. Bye. Take care yourself. Bye-bye. Book Club with Margaret Madden and your late lunch and what better with a good book? A glass of wine. It's coming next. 
Just to let you know, we've just had contact from Brendan Murphy in Kiev. He's safe, he's fine. That uh, plane and that that danger that uh, appeared overhead and he had to leave us suddenly in Kiev uh, has passed and he is safe, just to let you know. And we're delighted to hear that. God bless him, keep him safe over the coming hours, days uh, and weeks. We move on on late lunch, our virtuoso of Vino is waiting to talk to me. Rick Cronjay, hello again. Hello, Jerry. Thanks very much for joining me on the show today, Rick. Let's get straight to business because we're tight for time and we're starting with your recommended white. And Rick, you said to me, and I'm giving nothing away here, that this is probably one of the nicest white wines you've ever brought to us. Jerry, this is an elegant wine. That's a way to describe it. (laughs) Absolutely class. I have to tell you, it's uh, listeners is really and truly going to enjoy this for a as a Sauvignon Blanc. Yes, and it comes to us, and I want to thank them from O'Brien's Wines in Drogheda, both the white and the red today. So this is a New Zealand, uh, as you said, Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc, twenty twenty one. And Rick, why is it so great? I tell you why, uh, Jerry, is that it's um, Whitehaven is the name of it, Sauvignon Blanc 2021, as you say. For me, it is a Sauvignon Blanc without question, but it is so well balanced. Um, often you get a Sauvignon Blanc and it can be quite sharp. Um, uh, and this one is just so soft, um, all round balanced, 21, so it's fresh, fresh. But really, it's just that melody of citrus and um, tropical fruits. And it's just so balanced and it's so subtle. And I think that's what really stood out for me. You know, Mm. absolutely beautiful wine. Originated in France, of course, and uh, adapted brilliantly in New Zealand. And and it's just gone on to thrive there. Totally suitable where this uh, is grown on this estate. And and I want want you to tell listeners this. These people here, there are three aspects to the way they operate, isn't there, Rick? Yes, it is, which is very, very unique in in, in the way they conduct uh, business. They have 30 different sites that they get their wines, uh, the the grapes from, and it totals 575 hectares. Now, there's what they call a contract grower. That means whoever owns it is contracted to grow the the vines for them. Mm. Then, of course, there's their own estate owned. Mm. And then there's a third option, which is where they manage it. In other words, you get a retainer and they take over the control of it. And that's very, very unique, uh, the way to do that, because you are totally dependent, you know, on people supplying to you. Now, this is not the difference between this and a co-op is that obviously size-wise and a co-op, because you've got a bigger area, you can always make up any uh, shortcomings. Whereas this, you don't have much room to maneuver. So very unique, a very special relationship Mm. with contractors and owners. Yes. And Marlborough, of course, famous 75% of Marlborough is planted, as you've told me, with Sauvignon Blanc, which is 72% of the overall wine production in New Zealand. So it really is significant. Tell me quickly, colour, the colour of it on the nose and on the palate, Rick. The colour will be a pale lemon. Uh, On the nose, you get the grapefruit, the citrus and that tropical fruit uh, from it. Um, and then on the palate, as I say, it's just that 
it's like a melody of citrus and tropical fruits and it's just subtle very well balanced nothing particularly stands out yeah other than uh, as i mentioned the fruits and that mm. but a very soft elegant wine that's yes. the best way i can describe it for listeners aperitif seafood and to say as well the wine is vegan friendly so that's new zealand marlborough yes. whitehaven is the name on the label sauvignon blanc 2021 from o'brien's in drahada 17 euro 95 and rick has said he doesn't think he's brought us a better white no better recommendation than that quickly to the red and we're staying with o'brien's in drahada but we're heading to argentina rick Yes, in the um, Uco Valley in Mendoza is DV uh, Tatina, and it's called the uh, Tinto Isterico. And it's a Malbec, 75%, Bonada, 19%, and the uh, Petit Verded, uh, 6%. So a beautiful combination, again, Malbec being the uh, sort of the mainstay there. But the other two, the Bonada and the uh, Petit Verded, will just bring that richness slightly down and what you end up with is a beautiful very um smooth tannins on it there's a subtle hint of oak on it just a beautiful texture velvety finish and it's dark it's dark ink it's almost purple this wine in color Uh, and as you said there dark fruit vanilla on the oak as well what about to the taste rick what is it a smooth wine it's a smooth wine, Jerry. Very. I was. I must admit, I was a bit surprised there, but it's very smooth. It's a 2019. I just uh, have to tell this now. It's a 2019. Yeah. Smooth tannins. Uh, as I say, a subtle hint of oak there. It's beautiful texture on it. Really, really nice. You can feel it. It's full on in the mouth, but it's very velvety. There's, uh, you know, nothing in particular. Uh, there other than the balance that comes through on it. Very easy to drink now. A yeah. real crowd pleaser, this one, uh, Jerry. And uh, matching, of course, with beef, lamb, that type of thing as well. Pork, sausages, pasta. But you have a message on this one, and this is a very important message. Uh, it's a one-session bottle. It's a one-session uh, bottle, Jerry. Yep. Uh, tried it at the start of the evening. Beautiful. Four hours later, flat. Really? Absolutely flat. You'll need an oxygen tank to revive it. (laughs) And you're not going to be doing that. So you're saying uh, when you open this bottle, don't be thinking of taking it to the next day at all. It's got to be enjoyed on the evening within a number of hours from you open it. And that is a very important message to say with it. Absolutely, Jerry. Yeah, it's it's just completely flat. You you couldn't even get a flavour out of oh, it. Oh, there you go, isn't that? And that's unusual too, isn't it, in the, in the world of wine? It, it is. But then again, you know, Jerry, as we spoke on many occasions, this is the winemaker's intention is for it to be enjoyed and to, you know, enjoyed on the evening. Yes. And certainly within a, a certain time limit, normally two to three days. But yeah, this for whatever reason, this was just flat. Just a, there's nothing really in it, to mm. be honest with you. It's mm. not a Cabernet Sauvignon that's very powerful or Shiraz to carry it. Yes, no. and and you know this goes back a long way, 1898, when Nicola Catena he moved from Italy to Argentina. It took a while to establish uh, the vines that he wanted and and the Malbec. But the oldest Argentine family winery still in family hands. Rick, for this one. What 
what an achievement, mm. Jerry. You know, mm. um, we, we live in a world now where, you know, corporate money and, and the big conglomerates, yes. just because of their financial clout and marketing and strength, and that's not always a bad thing, don't get me wrong. But it's so nice when you still got the old families uh, about because that's a lot of experience and knowledge uh, yes. that, uh, that brings us that little bit of special uh, wines to the market for us. They're grown at a good height as well, aren't they? Oh, serious heights, yeah. And that was more of an experiment and a bit of luck there. Yeah. But yeah, what, and what it does, it just brings out more flavor and more acidity in yes. the Malbec, you know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's some of the most highest planted up to 1,500 meters, <laughs> which is rather unusual. You know? <laughs> I'm just thinking that's why maybe it gets flat when it comes to the table. It's missing the dizzy heights of where it all began, but that's pure speculation on my part. Anyway, the red, Argentina, DV Catena, Tinto Historico, you'll see on the label. It's a blend, Malbec, uh, and a couple of others there. 2019, O'Brien's Drahada, down from 1995 to 1695. €3 at the minute. Highly recommended by Rick, the man that knows. Rick, short and sweet, beautiful the white, fantastic the red. Thank you for joining us. We'll be in touch and talk to you next month. Certainly will. Thank Thanks, you. Rick. Take care of yourself. The brilliant Rick Cronje there. And really, I've been pronouncing his name wrong for years. It's Cronje. I should be saying that's the proper pronunciation. But he said to me, Jerry, they all know me as Cronje, but Cronje is the right pronunciation, was pointed out to me by a lovely lady from South Africa. There you go. Late lunch, LMFM radio, still to come after three. David Sheehan looks ahead to the weekend in sport, and I bring the curtain down on Jersey Boys. Well done to Patricia Sheridan and Christina Callahan who shared our LMFM radio jackpot uh, this week. 5,400 each. Wow, well done, ladies. Uh, you can play next week. The jackpot's 5,000. LMFM.ie, the books are there or across a range of outlets in the northeast. Louise, Brendan's been talking to you. Brendan Murphy. Yeah, um, obviously we were worried when he ended the call abruptly. So um, we just checked to see if he's OK. And he is OK, thankfully. But he's on the move and he will let us know whenever he reached, you know, a safe destination. Mm. But he has asked, Jerry, if um, listeners can go onto Facebook and look up um, the Irpin, I-R-P-I-N Facebook page. I think that's a, a town outside Kiev, isn't it? Mm. Um, and just if they can go on the Facebook page and post an Irish flag and just write, I support you. Yes. That's all he's asking. So, Irpin, I-R-P-I-N on Facebook. I-R-P-I-N on Facebook. Please go in and just post an Irish flag and a message of support to the people there. Brendan has asked us to do that. So, if you can help us with that, we really would appreciate it. I-R-P-I-N. And I think he it's would I heart I-R-P-I-N. Right. You can find it on Facebook. So say that again. It's it's I love Irpin, but it's I heart. It's like a, a heart. Heart, I-R-P-I-N. OK, that's right. OK, so you'll find it there anyway. It's a route around for it there. And if you can lend your support, he is asking for your help. Our own Brendan Murphy from County Louth in uh, Kiev at the moment. And the situation is really, really awful there. It really is. Now, we have our competition each Friday at TV theme. Give it a roll there again, please, Louise, for us.
It's not the Avengers. It's not the Pink Panther. It's not the man from Uncle. It's not Get Smart. And it's certainly not the Saint. Do you know what it is, Louise? No. <laughs> well, I, I did, but I, I, I think tr- it was TV. Uh, well, right. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. Uh, the answer today is Mission Impossible. What do you mean you didn't think it was TV? Well, I thought you were doing TV themes. I Mission am. Impossible, not Tom Cruise on the film world. It subsequently was made into a movie for sure and perhaps even a remake. I could be wrong there, but it, certainly the movie you're, you're mentioning is correct. But no, Mission Impossible began on television on CBS in the States, 1966 to 1973, Louise. Really? And then it was here in the 70s in Ireland. Oh, it was unmissable. Because it was like a detective series. Oh, well, like. yes. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And this always happened at the end. <clears throat> when I get this right. <laughs> As always, should you or any member of your <laughs> IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck, Jim. That was they got their they got their mission, you see, and then Go on, the say tape. It again. <laughs> As always, should you or any member of your IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck, Jim. Uh, could be John Wayne. Could be. <laughs> Surely this man is the son of God. Uh, hell, he is. <laughs> Anyway, that was at the end of Mission Impossible. And anyway, today, well done to Bernie Boyne from Trimming County Meath. You got it right, along with many, many others as well. Little prize, lovely little prize, on its way to you. Today, we'll bring you another TV theme around about this time on Late Lunch next Friday. Let's talk about the soundtrack from uh, the musical Jersey Boys for the final time this week. The show and its makers, let me tell you, were involved in a long-running legal battle with Donna Carbello, who is she? She's the widow of the widow of founding member of the Four Seasons, Tommy DeVito. Mrs. Carbello lodged a claim in 2007, and the show came out in late 2005, that the show infringed her late husband's ghost-written but unpublished autobiography. The case ran and ran, encompassing appeals and counter-appeals for 13 years, until finally in 2020... It ended up in favour of the producers of Jersey Boys. Phew, I'm sure they were relieved. Uh, Today, I conclude my look at the musical with a song about a man who cheated on his girlfriend, really loves her, is remorseful and wants to win her back. It was a huge hit for the spinners in 1980. But I go back to the original 1966 version by The Four Seasons. Yes, my final tome from Jersey Boys. Thanks, Sarah Louise. I would have missed it all together. Anyway, great week of music from the show. It's simply brilliant. Coming to Dublin in November. Congratulations, Hannah McCabe. You're going to Cinderella the Kells pantomime. 1950, I was looking for, was the year the original movie was made. Anyway, it is now time to take our break. Up next, David Sheehan and Sport. Friday afternoon, time to look ahead to the weekend sporting action and we're beginning this evening, second weekend of the League of Ireland. But it's the first outing for Drogheda United, the game against Finn Harps called off last week. They face Shelburne and Damien Duff on the Windmill Road this evening. David Sheehan will be there and he's with me now. Well, David, what do you think of this one tonight? 
Yeah, looking forward to it, Sherry. It's it's sort of hard to know, I guess. I mean, Drogheda, as you mentioned there, didn't play last weekend. Shelburne had a, a 3-0 defeat against St. Patrick's Athletic, which I, I thought flattered St. Pat's a little bit. I, I thought, you know, St. Pat's were certainly the more clinical side, but two of the goals were giveaways from a, from a Shell's point of view, just giving the ball away and in kind of non-threatening positions and all of a sudden they find themselves picking it out of the back of the net. So I thought Shelburne showed enough last week and, and certainly Damien Duff mentioned this afterwards that, you know, they look like a decent side. And remember, they, they have a whole new side together, not no more than Drogheda, I suppose, as well. But Shelburne had a load of players leaving the, in the off-season and brought in a load of new faces as well. So that was pretty much the first competitive outing for a very new team. So I thought Shelburne looked OK for large parts of that game, just got caught on a few occasions. For Drogheda, as I said, lots of players have gone. We mentioned before the likes of James Brown has gone, Daniel O'Reilly's gone, Joe Redmond, most of that defence, and of course Connor Kane, who's been at Drogheda for a number of years, departed for Shelburne, so he'll be playing against his old side tonight. So it's going to be a tough one, I think, for Drogheda. And again, because we did, they didn't play last week, it's hard to know what sort of a team they'll have out or what sort of um, lineup they'll have in terms of positions and, and formations and stuff. So it's going to be a tough one um, to call, Jerry. I'd say. Uh, as I say, Shelburne looked reasonable reasonable last week. Drogheda, a lot of new players in. Uh, it's going to be very hard to call, and I don't really know what, what, what to think or what's going to happen. I'm looking forward to it, though, I can tell you that. Anyway, you're sitting on the fence. We'll put it down as a draw match just for uh, old time's sake. Now, let's move to Dalymount Park because Dundalk travel up the M1 to Fibsborough. A fine point last week against Derry in a cracking encounter, 2-2. But bows like Drogheda, fresh out of the blocks tonight, they were postponed last week, too. Yeah, exactly. Their game against Sligo didn't go ahead. Um, you know, I was chatting to Adrian Taff. I watched a bit of the Dundalk uh, Derry game on the highlights. And, you know, Sam Bone for a centre-back likes likes a shot. We can say that. I think he had three or four shots from outside the box, uh, varying degrees, threatening the goal. So, you know, I think Dundalk looked good last week. Adrian was saying that, you know, he saw them against Drogheda in the Malone Cup and he thought they looked very disjointed and was, was much more impressed with them last weekend. A lot of new players that have come in seem to have settled in quite well. And there was a real kind of buzz around Oriel Park with Stephen O'Donnell being back and everything else. And remember, Derry City, a lot of people's fancies to really run. Shamrock Grove was close this year. So whether that happens remains to be seen. But I think everyone took a lot of heart from that game last weekend. And they'll be going into this game with their tails up. Bows, having not played last week, as you said, very much like Drogheda, hard to know how they're going to kind of hit the ground, uh, how quickly they'll hit the ground. And so I think I give them the, the, the vote on this one. I think they, they showed enough last week to show that they're moving in the right direction and there's a real kind of there was a real fizz about their play and a, a much more kind of urgency and, and speed about it than we've seen in recent times so I think Dundalk might, might pick, all three, pick up all three points in the element. Now let's head across the water this weekend the first piece of silverware of the season domestically is up for grabs the League Cup final at Wembley and we'll just talk about this one in the Premier League well there's no real standout game but anyway two big guns going head to head Liverpool against Chelsea both in action in the Champions league in recent weeks too how do you see this one panning out yeah it was interesting I mean Liverpool have kind of put all their eggs in the in the Premier League and, and Champions League basket in recent seasons they haven't won the League Cup since 2012 uh, albeit they lost against Manchester City in the final in 2016 Chelsea haven't won it since 2015 Manchester City have a real stranglehold on this competition I think they've won six of the last eight so incredible dominance from them so yeah I mean Liverpool at the moment they're, they're, they're flying it like the sides have met twice already this year in the Premier League and both of them were draws one all at Anfield in, in August and then two all a great game at, at Stamford Bridge just the turn of the new year so um, really tight encounters in the league but Liverpool like six wins on the bounce in the Premier League they're absolutely flying Chelsea have only won two of their last six but they've won their last two so they're in a bit of form again but I just think it's very hard to back against Liverpool at the moment they're flying we know Keeping Kelleher is going to start a big day for him so 
we will hope, of course, that Liverpool get the win and that Keevan Kelleher picks up the medal. But I think Liverpool are just going so well at the moment. You saw what they did to Leeds during the week as well, albeit Leeds are a bit of a rabble at the minute. But I, I get it hard to back against Liverpool in this one. I think they'll come away with the trophy. There you go. The Reds fans will be really happy to hear that. Let's move to GAA and the National Football League continuing this weekend. Both northeast counties out. Uh, Mead tomorrow, Saturday, they travel to Offaly. Uh, they picked up a point last week, their first point, but the pressure's really on Mead going into this one again. I feel like every week I'm saying it, that they, they have to win. Like the last week against Down, Mead, Down and Offaly were all pointless at the time. And Mead, like three points behind at half time, having played into a Gale Force win and with the win behind him in the second half. And they could only manage three points all from freeze in the second half. So, I, I'd be really worried about the way me they're playing at the moment. There doesn't really seem to be much of a cohesion or much cohesion or much of a cohesive plan going on. There seems to be um, a lot of confusion, for the want of a better word, in terms of how they're playing. To, to only score three points and all of them from dead balls in the second half last week against Down would raise like massive questions about what's happening in there and would, would have alarm bells ringing. Offaly at home, as I said, haven't got a point on the board yet. Again, this is a game you would expect in normal circumstances me to win and probably win fairly comfortably. Would I fancy them to win comfortably tomorrow? Absolutely not. Um, it's very hard to have any faith in a Mead team getting a win at the minute, Jerry. So I would I would expect them you know, to win just about, but I, I wouldn't have a massive amount of faith in them. I think they might just squeak out of it with the, with the points, but um, it's a very important game for them. That's all I can say, and they really need to up it and, and get the win there. I think they'll just about do it, but it's, as I say, it's hard to have massive confidence. Now, on Sunday afternoon on your Sunday sports show, you have Louth. They face Westmead, and last week, well, I think we all gave up on them with about, what, seven, eight minutes to go in the game in Limerick, but lo and behold, what a recovery, what a win. They'll have the uh, wind in their sails this weekend for sure. Yeah, well, it's all been about wind for the last few weeks in the National Football League, the way the weather's been. But uh, Colin Corrigan didn't give up on them last, last week, standing down on the, on the sideline in UL, uh, getting getting blown out of it and, and lashed out of it with hail and everything else. He he hung on in there till the final whistle. But brilliant, like seven points without reply in the final stretch in that game to get the win. A massive boost for them. And the game was moved from uh, the Gaelic grounds at the last minute, which wouldn't have helped the preparation. So that was a fantastic win for Loud. And they showed real metal and steel to come away with the win there. But they've got three points in their three games. Westmead are two from two. Uh, they beat Leash and Wicklow. So Westmead's game last weekend was, was postponed. So Westmead are, are in good shape. And this is a kind of a key game for Loud if they're going to, you know, push on and really push for promotion, as all games are. But, you know, a home advantage here. They'll be well up for after the game last weekend. So I think I think Loud might just pull this one off. There you go. A thumbs up for Loud. And you can follow the game in its entirety on Sunday Sport with David Sheehan. And don't forget this evening we have both League of Ireland games. Drawed at home to Shelburne and Dundalk away to Bohemians. You can follow them all on lmfm.ie. And don't forget the app as well. It's available there. David Sheehan until Friday next at the same time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jerry. That's a lot on Late Lunch for another week. Big thank you to all our guests who joined us every day. Again, I end by saying our thoughts are with the people in the Ukraine at this time. Thank you for joining us every day. We love it that you're with us each afternoon. Our listeners, we appreciate you. Really, really appreciate you. Big thank you to my producer, Louise Walsh. Couldn't do this without her. Thanks a million, Louise. And Eddie Caffrey is on his way now with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. Have a nice weekend and do come back and join us for a brand new week of late lunch, the last day of the month of February on Monday, 1.30. It's a date. We'll see you then. 
The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dogan Cabin. Order your new Dacia Duster or the all-new Dacia Sandero and Stepway. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit BlackstoneMotors.ie. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.